What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 254, and uh, my name's Steve. Who else is here with me? Ron. My name's John. <laughs> so that was even more of a pause, and you had the my names. So there's no chance that the Ron John movie. runs together, right? Well, well, you know, you said my name's Steve, and I thought maybe Ronald would say my name's Ron, but he didn't. And then I kind of stuck to my guns, mm-hmm. you know, even though it lost the rhythm. But uh, We should have started the show based off what we're talking about today. We should have started off the, hi, I'm Steve. And then, you know, you guys could jump in with your, with your, with your follows, but... Um, but yeah, I'm glad this is going to be a fun episode. I'm, I'm excited to be talking about the show that we're going to get into here in a moment. But because uh, I know we've been kind of passively talking about it on a couple episodes, I think either myself and Ronald have both mentioned it. But um, we're going to be talking at some point in this episode about the Hulu series Dave, starring Dave Bird, also known as Little Dicky. But uh, is there any news items you guys want to jump into for a little bit before we get into that? Anything that's come up over the past week that you wanted to talk about on the podcast? Taika. Taika's directing a Star Wars movie. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. I feel I feel like that was like coming, right? I mean, like it just felt like that was a lot of talk about that and like yeah. you know, what he did with Thor and directing an episode of the Mandalorian and being a voice character that like he just seems like he's got that in and it was only a matter of time before it was like legitly out there you know well the rumors were published almost like it was happening when it was in talks and he made some posts that indicate that in talks doesn't really mean that much or something some playful shit he's always very kind of uh you know that way with his social media presence he's cheeky yeah cheeky that's right yeah um and and yeah but they just this week confirmed that he's going to be co-writing it with uh christy wilson cairns and they haven't put it on the calendar yet but there is a an ambiguous Star Wars film on the calendar for like the winter of 2022. Mm. So that seems like it could fit if shooting a movie becomes possible <laughs> soon. You know, right, you keep right. hearing news about who's been hired to do what thing on what project. And I'm wondering, well, when, when can they start? But um, he has stated recently that the, the lead time that this break is giving him to work on the script for Thor Love and Thunder is a good thing for that movie. So I wouldn't expect to see his Star Wars film too soon. Um, but still, that's great news. It seems like a perfect fit. And, and you're right, Steve. It's as though he's already passed the audition. And yeah. uh, it seemed like a news that you were kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of ex- expected that at some point. But to hear that that's where they're going and that that might be the next film in the in the saga, you know, I'm, I'm down with uh, with that. I think that's a he's a cool guy to kind of place that trust in because I think he'll do a good job of juggling the, you know, the the all the aspects, the humor and the, and the heart and the adventure. Yeah, if you if you watch the Disney Plus show Gallery that just premiered on May fourth, um, it's pretty obvious that they want him to be something. You can't tell what it is, but they highlight all the uh, most of the guest directors of The Mandalorian, and when they highlight him, yeah, you could tell something's a little different <laughs> the way the way that they treat him. And it's nothing against it's nothing against any other directors. I think they appreciate all the voices. But there's something that Taika brings to Star Wars, um, and some one of the co-writers kind of points it out. The supervisors kind of points out that, yeah, Taika's kind of fit for that world. He he takes it seriously, but there's also some humor in it. Something yeah. that is kind of in the original trilogy. So, yeah, I think the other thing uh, it's nice to. I don't know how many of them there are. Maybe one of you guys know off the top of your head, but coming into the Star Wars franchise, how many Oscar-winning directors 
slash writers are uh, involved in this franchise because Taika's hot off of that Oscar too. You know what I mean? Yeah, he is, man. That's nuts. That's this is a pretty incredible time, man. It's it's he has a voice that is so unique. I'm I'm really happy to see it play out in the Star Wars world, man. He, he's pretty involved in terms of writing, directing. Um, from what it sounds like, this film with the co-writer, um, one of the co-writers, I think she was a co-writer on 1917, I think. But Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really exciting. And I mean, we, we are all huge fans of Taika. Like, we pretty much love everything he puts out in some way. And it, his films usually make our top ten lists in some combination between the three of us. Yeah, he's one of our guys. Yeah, he, he's definitely uh, a friend of the show who's never been on the show, but just in spirit. Uh, but... I'm excited for it. I, I, I mean, there seems to be a lot of Star Wars stuff going around, floating around about like what's coming up, what's not. You know, tons of uh, things have been announced in the last year in terms. Of, well, some have come, some have gone, some have been halted in terms of production. But I don't know. Like that, that's one of the ones for sure that to me feels like, uh, you know, something hopefully special. And um, I don't know. It's just really exciting to think about. Star Wars going forward, I, I like the idea of you know Taika being involved and and many of these other different voices voices that have come out over the past you know couple of weeks like the one of the showrunners from um, Russian Dial I forget her Le- Leslie Headland I think it is she also was announced like she's working on some series for Star Wars yes um, just exciting stuff and I I just this overall sense that like. How, how involved and how um, included John Favreau has been in a lot of these announcements. Um, it does seem like he's kind of like unofficially, but in a in a grand uh, in a grand scheme way, like involved a lot with what's going on with Star Wars. And um, I don't know. I personally, I, I, I like that. I think that that's not a bad thing. And. Uh, Definitely stoked for whatever Tyga's doing, for sure. Any other news in the movies? In the movie biz? Well, I would like to ask you guys what the heck is happening with the New Mutants. Looks like zero things. Uh, (laughs) But I I mean, it it momentarily appeared after all these months of nobody knowing what's going on with it, and it doesn't seem right for Disney+, which would otherwise be a great home for a kind of Marvel-related property that wasn't quite fit for theatrical release. And it also doesn't seem like, you know, it's they can't really cash in that much on the on the Fox X-Men thing because that sort of petered out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting thing to see a movie that seemed like kind of a neat experiment when they first announced it. And it's been kicked around so much. And what I'm referring to is that it momentarily appeared on Amazon for pre-order uh, for $25.99 with no date. And then as soon as news about that hit, it seemed like it got yanked. Um, and I don't know what that means. Does that mean it was, you know, does that mean it's coming and they, and Amazon jumped the gun or what the heck is happening with this movie? And could it possibly be so bad that they're treating it this way? Or do you think the quality is almost not related to the way it's being treated? I'm, I'm just so curious about this little weird movie. Yeah. This feels like hot potato at this point. Like it's, it's a strange thing to see some of this stuff happening, especially as we get into this sort of area where it seems like companies are taking risks um i'm not sure man i i hope that it comes out but i think this hints that something's gonna happen with it it's really weird that it's like uh i mean i I guess yeah i mean i guess it's it's not weird that it's on amazon as like a prime i mean as a uh premium 
like rental, like that window that they've been doing for some movies. But I, I guess it's, if it is genuinely an error, like it has happened in the past, I mean, it could also be like some sort of like weird publicity for it, you know, like just to kind of if it was not accidental or something like that. Because Amazon's definitely done that shit in the past where they they put movies up for sale or for rent or for you know or even yeah purchase um, incorrectly. So it could just be error. But yeah, it's weird. Like I, I guess. I, I don't think it's an issue with the quality of the movie. I'm not trying to say that it's like going to be a great movie, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as bad as the reputation it's kind of earning from this constant, you know, removal from calendars or pulling from a window like this. Um, and I mean, I think they're kind of just like hurting themselves more and more and more as this happens. You know, even in, you know, even if this was like an error on Amazon's part. Um, but I don't know. Like, I really want to see this movie. In some ways, it's making me want to see it more, the fact that it keeps coming up. But um, I don't think it's doing anything to help the movie in the mainstream. And, you know, they definitely have a challenge with this movie because, like, the era of 20th century's X-Men movies is is over. And it's been over for a while. I mean, the biggest bomb of 2019 was the Dark Phoenix film that came out um, I think that lost like nearly 130 million dollars for Disney slash Fox. So I don't know. It's an uphill battle for them at this point. I mean, nothing they're going to do is going to really help this movie. So yeah, I mean, it would make sense to be like, hey, it's here, get it if you want it. If they're not going to do a theatrical release for it, and and honestly, with the way the calendars are kind of becoming bottlenecked and the release calendars are being moved around and dates are being shared by three, four, five movies now. I don't know in the next 6 to 12 months that that movie is going to find a window to come out where it's worth them paying exhibitors to put this movie out in theaters for a marketing budget and sharing profits where maybe they could find a way to market it and it'd be way more successful on a premium you know, video, video on demand platform. I don't know. It's weird, man. It's, like a, it's, like, it's definitely like a bum, it's a bum experience for Josh Boone and, and some of the cast. I've read interviews like just you know that they had a good time shooting it and that it seems like it would be a good movie and that it's kind of weird what's happened to it and that could also just be saving face but um it's just a weird in between where like they can't do anything with it cuz it's it's really leading nowhere for X-Men it's it, it's its own little like standalone movie at this point um that I feel like at this point they just need to put out and just let it be, you know. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, they've got they've got all these like multiverse things going on, so they could have something come out and have it be like, yeah, it's out and it's part of that world, but it's not really. And then if they ever want to come back and pick up some storyline or some actor right. or something, I think that it's pretty wide open. But um, I don't know. It seems like if it was a good movie, they would be willing to use what was good about it and and yeah, just get it out there. But I, I agree. It's I, I am I am more curious about it because of what's right. happened to it. Right. Um, it's been kicked around and kind of has been lost in this, you know, the Fox uh, Disney buyout. It sort of became this movie that people were like, oh, well, that movie got, it's now an even bigger limbo. Um, but now that this home release thing is kicking off, I feel like it could easily be the the Trolls World Tour of X-Men movies. <laughs> it could be. It really could. In fact, they should put that in the blurb. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you guys if you heard about the Sony Pictures uh, sale of Charm City Kings, the 12 o'clock boys turned 
drama uh, that's going to be selling to that's been sold to HBO Max. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, I, I um I did see an article about that earlier. Um, I know we talked about that when it was supposed to be coming out in theaters. I, I think it was supposed to be coming out. Like by now or or in August, or, it was sometime this summer, right? Yeah. There's just so much of a problem now for a calendar to put movies out. Yep. Even though you know when you're talking about theaters reopening, you're like, oh, well, why would they reopen if they can't play a movie? Because like the next movie on a calendar is like Tenant in July, and you know I think the idea is just that you know even if they were going to push this movie back or if they don't have the budget. I mean, because the other thing you gotta, we got to keep in mind is that, like, some of these studios have, like, furloughed people. People have been let go. Marketing, you know, it's it's just this big, massive ecosystem that it's hard. I mean, it's easy to forget that, like, a movie like this, you know, sending people around. It lives and dies on publicity. So sending people around to do publicity for a movie where they can do interviews, you know, and face-to-face stuff on morning shows. Like, having worked on small movies like this, like, it needs that. And, like... I don't know that a Zoom setup like some studios have been doing on morning shows, like it's a good way to do it, but it may not be realistic for people that are involved with the movie, I guess. Um, all to just say, like, it seems like that this is another logical conclusion for a movie like this or of its size. And it's kind of sad because, you know, you could kind of see them doing uh, a decent platform for this movie. Um, especially across like major markets and even Baltimore included just because of its tie to Baltimore. But, um, and I, and even like, isn't Barry Jenkins like a co-writer on it? Yeah. I yeah, think so. man. Touch the script. Right. So, I mean like there's a lot of cool things for this movie, but I think we're going to see more and more of this stuff. And I mean, there were even some, I think last week they were talking about a couple other Sony movies. I think they may have been Sony movies like Sony's, uh, uh, what was it? American pickle, the Seth Rogen movie. Um, was that was that Sony or was that Universal? There's a couple other ones where like they were selling um selling a lot of these titles off to HBO Max. Oh yeah, it is American Pickle. This it's like a Seth Rogen comedy that they were going to be releasing later this year, and they sold that to HBO Max as well. And that's not necessarily going to be opening when it launches at the end of May, but. There was that one, and I want to say they also did it for King of Staten Island, which is the Judd Apatow film that is going to VOD or premium VOD in June. So, like, all these movies that are in those, like, middle to low indie levels, it's really kind of scary to think about how many of them may not actually move move to theaters, like, when theaters reopen because of schedules being so bottlenecked and, like, just they're not being real like money to put behind a release to make it like financially viable. You know what I mean? That's rough, man. It sucks. I mean, I was joking about Trolls World Tour, but doesn't Trolls World Tour actually show us though that you can have like a return on a movie? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could make back the budget of a mid-sized indie. I mean, I know you're not saying it's a lost cause. I'm just saying, I wonder if, I wonder if maybe there's more hype that's possible for a certain kind of mid-level movie than you would get in a sort of limited theatrical run but i don't know the 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 judd apatow movie is uh pete davidson right yep loosely based on his life right i believe so yeah i mean you know who knows if that would have been a major theatrical movie or not i guess he's a big enough name that it could have been that sort of thing and judd apatow's definitely had hits before but i don't know i just wonder if he could if there's a way that that movie could come out the way that uh the trolls movie did and it would be um you know a a market success but i I guess you're right that it's diminished from what a theatrical release would be 
right uh in many ways even if it's not a financial thing it's kind of a mark of status for some of these movies that they won't achieve it's um it's like reading a lot of the articles about this topic it's like it's interesting to see like what some studios are finding that line to be or like there's like some algorithm like in terms of what they project a movie to make like if a movie has been screened in any way or they've been able to do test screenings for it or anything like that or early press on a movie it's just like they put them into this like equation and it just like says yes you, you know we can put this on uh pvod or whatever <laughs> or no we'll, we'll hold this and push it back a year in some cases if not longer um you know to make it viable to have a marketing strategy a publicity you know approach in like a, a true marketing budget to, to to make the money that they think these movies are going to make and i'm obviously it's no-brainers for like a lot of these huge like tentpole releases but yeah it's, it's like when you get into that like 40 to 60 million and under especially smaller movies especially studio movies that fall in that um that kind of filter it's like i just think you know more more and more man I mean, I don't know. It's like I, I'm surprised more haven't kind of been announced. To be honest with you, like there's been a decent amount, but it seems like there really hasn't been a lot of activity on this premium video on demand platform. You know, in the last like you know three weeks or so, besides trolls. Yeah, I think I would have expected there to be more more stuff kind of getting even un- unceremoniously dumped. But if it would get this little moment in the sun, just because for that that week it might be the biggest thing people could watch that was new, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's literally in like every every article you read, there's some mention of box office or video on demand or movies getting pushed back. Yeah. yeah. Or not released at all in theaters. It's just like it's a weird, it's a weird uh, mix of things out there right now. So, but um, I don't know. But but in light of that. There's been a lot of opportunity to watch a lot of shows here at home. Yep. And, you know, like I said at the top of the show, one of, one of the shows that um, we've mentioned before briefly on the show um, is Hulu's series, um, Dave. Hey, we got company. Hi, Catherine. Moms, we don't just got anybody in the spot right now. We got Lil Dicky in here. He's one of the best new rappers in the game. Oh, what's up, Lil Dicky? Oh, no, I'm a normal person. That thing right there is Lil Dicky. I'm the rapper. Isn't that funny? I'm Lil Dicky. But call me Dave. I prefer that. Oh, well, why you call yourself Lil Dicky? You got Lil Dicky? Soft. It's never even grown at all since I was a uh, child. Mm-hmm. But No, it's just kind of like a play on a rap name, the opposite of what you'd expect. So you're a satirical rapper? Jackpot. See, I told you people understand what I'm doing. It's, it's FX slash Hulu. It's it's that combo, I believe. I don't I don't know if it's a day and date on Hulu. FXX. Yes. FXX. Okay, it comes okay, on FXX yeah, yeah. first, and then so it yeah, I, I I watched them on Hulu yeah. um, myself, but I mean yeah, I know some people have checked it out on FX, but or FXX, um, but yeah, so we've all caught up on Dave, and we've all watched the first full season of it, and uh, I don't know what what are you guys thinking of the show? I I so FX has always kind of spun out gold for me i don't i don't know like um between atlanta and um what's a dating show with the guy with the vivid imagination oh god i cannot remember the name of it oh yeah like like what was it was it jay baruchel that show yeah the surreal show it's like in a surreal man seeking woman or something yeah like that? yeah man seeking woman yeah they 
a bunch of really good shows that that have a unique voice yeah, and yeah. you know I, i'm just coming off the heels of atlanta which is kind of absurd but has a lot of really cool visuals and lessons and cool dynamics and characters and you know i didn't i didn't expect to find anything that felt quite as genuine as that until dave came along and it's just you know i'd seen Lil dicky freestyle for years you know he's gone to like sway in the morning and, and major outlets and freestyle but i had no idea that he had the chops to put something that felt so layered and careful and, and interesting and I, I just fucking love that show, man. I agree with everything you just said about just FX in general. I mean, they are they are one of the more successful in terms of quality and, and more consistent in terms of quality, um, you know, of the kind of cable networks that have original programming. And what they've managed to do with a lot of their programming and what they're doing with Hulu now is even more, uh, you know, exciting in terms of a lot of different shows coming out that have been all, for the most part, all critically you know, praise and seem to be doing pretty well in terms of just like what people are talking about. You see people talking about shows like Dave and like devs and, um, uh, what's the new Kate Blanchett when I, I know a couple of people asked me about that the other day. Um, but the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, Miss America. So, but the key with, the key with Dave is, is that like, it's such a unique, it's such like you said, Ronald, it's like, a, it's got a unique voice. Yes. But it's got such a um, approachable um, kind of just story, you know, like the, the character that he is, that he plays, that he lives by um, in the show, and uh, you know, in some way, probably in real life. It's just a, a really you, you you could easily easily identify with him. You can relate to him. You can laugh at him with him, and that's really what everybody around him is doing as well. Like, there's a real relatability to the kind of relationship he has with his girlfriend, the kind of relationships he has with his parents, you know, the relationships he has with his friends slash producer, you know, it's just as you go through the season, um, and this is me coming from knowing very little about Dave Bird or Little Dicky. I mean, I, I've seen some of the videos online that have gone viral, like the Freaky Friday video and I, and the, the Earth Day one that he did last uh, year or year or two ago. Uh, but for the most part, I didn't really know much about him at all. Like, I'm aware of who he is. But um, the se- the series just looked really interesting to me. And, like, you know, right from the start, it just was... I don't even know. It's like a it's like a really cool mix of, like... I think we said, like, Atlanta meets, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm meets... Uh, I don't even know. Something else. But, um, like, Aaron watched it with me the first episode with zero interest. You know, even more so. Like, I, I was very interested in watching the show. But she just watched with me because that's what happened to be what I was watching. And, I mean, I think it might be her favorite show now. Like, And it's one of mine that I've seen recently. Like, It's just an incredible series. Um, incredibly written. The direction's great. And, you know, it's got some really great... I know Greg Matola did a couple of the episodes who I like. Um, but it's just like... It's got this real magic going for it where, like, it goes in directions that you don't expect it to go. Or it goes further than you expected it to go. Where where some shows would kind of stop a joke or stop a conversation before it gets awkward or uncomfortable, like you know, there's scenes where like he kind of doubles down on a, a thought on something or an approach to something that is challenging, and um, and in some ways he comes to realize these things himself. But I don't know. I just feel like the where this show goes, how creative it is, 
with the characters, with how they laid out the season in terms of having, you know, a through line in terms of story from the first to last episode. But you kind of have some of these bottle episodes mixed in where you get to spend time with other characters that aren't the key character of the show, but are very important to that character's development as a person and as an artist and as like the rapper that he sees himself as ultimately becoming. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this show. I hope everybody can check it out. I think the season finale of this um, show, the season finale, and then if you look it up, the Gata episode, those two episodes this season are just like, are just perfect. I mean, they're just great, great show running. And um, But the finale, the way that finale opens and really kind of sticks to that, uh, the way, you know, the first basically 15 minutes of, the ser- of that uh, episode, I couldn't believe it. I was in love with that show so much already, and it just took it to a whole other, a whole other level for me. And uh, and then and, and then it just kind of delivers on the back end of that episode with like the last five minutes is just amazing, and it just ends with like a like we we were literally like Aaron and I were literally like clapping or cheering like that was we were that into his story to see where he kind of ends at the end of this season. And I really really hope it gets renewed or has some sort of second season um, so that we can see more of what Dave has to come. What about you, John? I know, I know, I know, I know you came to it last. So what, what did you think of it early on? I think it was the one liners and the humor that really hooked me in. And I think maybe the first three or four episodes are more kind of humorous. Yeah. And then yeah. it gets to the fifth episode, which I believe is the one that, that focuses on Gata. Yeah. Um, one of uh, little Dickie's friends. And it's, I mean, it's a knockout. There's a, there's a scene that killed me. And I woke up, I came back from the dead, and then I, it killed me again, and I died, and I, got, I came back from the dead again. I mean, it was, I, I, I couldn't handle it. It was so emotional. You guys must know the moment yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not oh, going to say yeah, anything man. more uh, for anybody. But it was, it was so honest and, and so well-acted and so well-written and, and so uh, kind of what you said, Steve, so watchable and approachable. And these, these characters, you, they kind of they act like real people in some situations, even if the, the world is very absurd. These very relatable, mundane moments can turn into surreal right. moments. You could almost imagine this show crossing over. If they want to create a, a universe, they could have this show cross over with Atlanta pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. And the format of the show, could it could be said to be almost a ripoff, but I don't think it is. And even if it was, though, it's almost like taking the template and saying, well, th- filtered through this and they constantly remind you white suburban kind of douchey bro <laughs> you know <laughs> rapper um they they talk about all those issues of uh of cultural appropriation and and what you know how far he should go and where he really fits in and i think that it's not saying oh the most important story you could tell uh, about a rapper right now is this white boy but i think that the way that they do deal with those issues is very genuine right and it did again make me think of okay if if um you know, if Atlanta is kind of based on Donald Glover's cynicism, somewhere at the heart of that show, his like bleak outlook is at the heart right, of that right. show, right? Um, I think that at the heart of of Dave, it's like uh, Dave Bird's kind of insecurity and his vulnerability and his honesty about that is at the heart of this whole experiment, you know? And, and it's so funny, and you do care so much about the characters. And then, of course, the, the final episode, as you've said, Steve, the, there's this opening sequence that you begin to think maybe the whole episode is going to yes, be this. Yes, uh, Sort of a musical episode. Yes. And I was about to be just, like, laying on the floor, not able to handle it. <laughs> but I actually think, in retrospect, they did the right amount, because it's so dense, it would be hard to watch 
25 straight yeah, minutes yeah. of yeah. that. It honestly would be so dense, you might not get it. But it's just enough. But it goes so f- so much further than you expect it to go. And it's funny and scary and sad. And you begin to think maybe this is just a musical telling of something that's happened to this character. You could believe it, but it's crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I think that it's uh, it, the experiment of what he does with that. And then the way that episode proceeds. And then, of course, as you've said, the the ending of that is just... You know, you you I I can't remember how I reacted, but I know that I was emotionally overcome, as though someone I know had just done something. Yes. Yeah. It's what the other the other layer of it that's super weird is um. So Atlanta has a lot of like people that are just um incredible unknown actors. Pretty much everybody in the show is a known creative in some way, shape, or form. Uh, his the friend that he makes towards the end, Benny Blanco, huge musical producer. They have like rappers that are real people. Um, his producer friend is Taco from Odd Future, Tyler, uh, the creators group, Odd Future, Wolfgang, Kill Them All. It's weird how many stars are in it and they shine in a really cool way that doesn't feel like they're forcing it, which I, I think is amazing. Because you, you watch a lot of shows where, you know, you've seen them before. Like you, you'd watch like Arliss back in the day on HBO, and you'd have like an athlete go, "Oh, I need to get my," you know, and you're just like, "Why is this person here?" But with this show, they utilize them in such an, a way that feels natural, and 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 there's something to be said about a person playing themselves. It still kind of comes across genuine in the show somehow. I was really thinking about the way they dealt with sort of the cost of being a person who values your creative expression yeah. and the time you devote to being a creative person and what that takes away from and what life is uh, as opposed to that and like what you might be sacrificing to be focused on something as abstract as I want to have a creative career or I want to have a success, you know, and I believe I can do this. I think that there is something about, I have, I feel like this show deals with that in a way that I have not seen before. The honesty with which it deals with the sort of the narcissism of being a creative person. Right, right, right. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it's it's done in such a, a cool way. I, I mean, by no means are Dave and I in the same hemisphere of crazy, uh, interesting sort of th- stuff. But I think it's really hard sometimes. I, I, I am one of those people who kind of stays who I am in a space. And that can get kind of weird because I'm, I'm from I'm from a bad neighborhood. I hail from a bad neighborhood, but I don't act like to some people that I should be more like, uh, I don't know, sharpened, hardened. And I guess it's a thing that sometimes when I'm in spaces and they're like, where are you from? And I say where I'm from. They're like, you're not from from there. You're not from there. So that brings about a big. So I'll go to studios with like a lot of craziness happening at once. And sometimes I wish that I could. I could share with people how that feels. And I'm obviously not a white Jewish kid in a studio space, but there's something to be said about being a different person in a space that I can relate to so much, man. It's, it's so well done. It, it, It doesn't feel like it's just a exclusive story about white Jewish kids. Like we all kind of feel like that in certain spaces. Oh yeah. Like misfits. 
Yes, yeah. exactly. The way they take Gaeta, who, who ostensibly, like, you would think Gaeta would be, like, the cool guy of the bunch because he kind of comes off as the guy who seems to understand the scene that they're in. And the way that they deepen his character and make him even, it's like they show you the way that even he fits in with the misfits that he's hanging with. You start to want to see these side stories. And there are a couple episodes that just jump into one of his friends, the episode that has Taco, uh, what's his character's name? Um, yeah. Els. Yeah, uh, that really focuses on him <laughs> uh, and his relationship. With Emma, is that her name? Yeah, I'm a I fan. If I'm getting her name right, but but like th- that was a great episode, and that was a total left field sort of episode. That again, I think you get from these FX shows where they they let creators do their thing. Just thinking about like the character of Gata, which we talked about a, a lot already. It's just like the the best part of all that is just like you know when you when you hit that episode where you learn about him and like. You just see his like loyalty and allegiance to like somebody that he senses is like a, you know, a good a good person, a real friend, and like the whole time, everything that's kind of been misunderstood about him has all just been you know, totally incorrect and false. Like you know the, you know when you when you when you think he's given Dave uh, the wrong number for the manager in the first uh, episode, you're like, oh no, that was not him. Like that was that guy. Like that wasn't his fault. And like, and every, every challenge that he's against, you know, as a character from what you see in, in shows like this or movies about, you know, the music industry, especially, so, you know, loyalties, like where do they lie? Everybody's out for themselves. And I just, I just love that character and his performance and like, just, you know, and you see it down the home stretch of like those last three episodes is just like, he just becomes like the biggest cheerleader for Dave and like a friend and just like, uh, and there who is just honest with him about everything, even when he doesn't agree with what he's doing. It's just, I just love how the season ended, like with their relationship. And, and in that last scene, like in, during the interview, you know, on the radio mm-hmm. oh, program, man. just like being challenged like that by such a iconic radio personality. And like, you know, in that character's eyes, like somebody, you know, nothing but respect for, and, and, you know, it's just it's just a great sequence, like you know, just seeing the challenge of opposition and like just doubling down on your friends and your loyalties and like knowing that you're doing the right thing and for the right people. That's just something that a lot of people don't experience. So like, it just feels great when you have experienced that and and to see it play out so well on a show like that in that last episode is just like, oh, it's like so good, so perfect. Yeah, you're right, man. That last scene really paid off from especially. Like you said, the world building with his his episode that paid off so well that I was like, I know, I know, as teary eyed as I got for the, for the for his episode, I felt it when 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 that scene happened. I was like, oh man, like I'm feeling why why this matters yes. so much. The comfort that Gator and him created led to that moment, and it just felt like it paid off so well. It was it was nuts, man. Uh, almost like that could be a turning point mm. for the character. I'm, I'm interested to see what they will do with, with that moment having happened. Yeah. yeah, totally. A moment of validation like that. There's a lot of people that were kind of w- witnessing him prove himself, and I think that's an interesting idea to picture where that character goes with with people believing in him you know because all season long he's been kind of talking about himself and puffing himself up (laughs) and and really there's there's only been a few people gata is one of the big ones who really have sort of said no this guy is uh is real and you know that scene and that we were talking about where where gata opens up i love scenes like that where every now and then you have a scene where characters say what you kind of wish they would say to each other and i I, I love 
Yes. I love the way that builds on on your belief in the characters, you know. And even in a moment where he argues with his his girlfriend, Allie, who has a good point to make, um, they're careful to make sure that he doesn't he's got justification for the way that he's behaving and she's got justification for the way that she's behaving. It's it's again, it feels very genuine and real. And it really did make me think about um you know, real arguments I've had where, where nobody's the bad guy and yeah. yet you have to kind of stick to your guns. It, and there's also this whole idea of like, um, you know, sometimes we don't agree on everything, but I don't, I wouldn't want to disagree with anybody else. If that makes any yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to, to like have a, like, I wouldn't want us to have like weird conversations about Marvel stuff and us getting us choosing our side on a certain thing with anybody else. Like it, it feels good to have somebody to argue with. It's like a weird, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. I feel like I'm arguing with my, with my brothers and I come back. I'm like, all right, well that's, that's under the table. Let's talk about whatever the fuck else we were talking about. <laughs> his egotism is one of the jokes of the season. And the one thing I was kind of wondering is, and I don't really know his actual career much is he, you know, he's. I, I, I sort of bought into his skill over the course of the season. Is is that accurate? I mean, I don't know what what. How has he thought of? How is the real little Dicky thought of? This is a very fictionalized version of him. There's certain aspects of the character. I want to say we made it this far into this conversation about Dave without making any comment about dick jokes because there's a lot of dick jokes and dick talk and <laughs> right, right. Uh, and dick action on this uh, on this show. And I think that that is something that is unexpectedly frank. It seems like a weird fixation in a way, but it also really lends itself to the identity of this character of Little Dicky, who is also Dave Bird. But I, I feel like that is a very fictionalized version. I don't know how much uh, of that is present in his actual music. I know his actual music is kind of like mundane stuff. Like he tries to paint himself as the the sort of opposite of the of the egotistical thing you might expect from hip hop, you know. So I know that that's his thing, but I don't know how much it's as humiliating as the <laughs> as the character he plays in this show. So the fact that he's he was a totally new personality to me was something, you know, I had to kind of learn. Oh wait, I think this guy actually has skills. That last scene kind of proves it. Right. Right, right. Um Lil Dicky's like one of those guys. Uh it's it's a strange thing, man. Like he's in a space, well because he's a white rapper, obviously that's like a a point of contention for people like is he uh you know appropriating and all that stuff but it's pretty much universally accepted that he is one of the best rappers so much so that like he's he's been on like BET awards freestyle so they have like this freestyle thing that they do every year on the BET hip hop awards that all the like present rappers are on um he's done like underground um freestyles he's been on all the major radio outlets that are famous for freestyling um he's 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 really well known as a rapper but that that also there's a fine line because i mean i hate to use this term rapidy rap whatever the the when when hip-hop was in its golden age let's say like 94 to like 99 or 2000 right that period involved a lot of a lot more intricate hip-hop a lot more intricate rap rapping that doesn't really exist quite as much anymore the only people that really exist in the mainstream that do it are uh j cole and kendrick lamar really and there are a couple others that kind of break through chance chance the rapper but he does more singing but that art form in general is kind of (laughs) dead in the mainstream and you know so lil dicky is kind of getting famous 
within the world of the internet, which is a very hard thing for people who are used to the radio system to understand. So you, if you look at that Earth song, he has like it's like what forty million yeah, views. It's insane. To a person that doesn't understand that sort of thing, like the way that the internet works, it seems ridiculous. But you and I know, and all of us know that like the internet is a different sort of animal, and it, you know people have a follower ship that has nothing to do with radio in that right, thing right, in that space right. so he is he is really popular but on the internet which sounds nuts i, I do th- i do think it's worth mentioning that the cast is very good we haven't mentioned some of the other people in there uh taylor misiak is great as ali his uh his girlfriend ali yeah and uh then what's the um it's uh andrew santino as mike yeah <laughs> yeah so good <laughs> I thought I would dislike him, man, and I wound up really loving him. I love his comedy, but sometimes his his snarkiness sometimes can be a little overwhelming, and it fits this show so well. And it's it's a little a little more subtle than I expected, especially as the the episodes went on. Well, I think that he's another person who you see his loyalty to Dave, and that becomes a thing that kind of validates him as a character, just like it is with Gato, where you see how much he values this thing. Like, the fact that this little crew sort of assembles around this guy that kind of believes in him. I've always said, I wish I had the best friend who was wanting to be an agent or a manager or, uh, you know, a money man or something, because I don't like <laughs> to think about that stuff, and it would be great <laughs> to have someone telling me what to do. Right. And the people playing themselves, most of them were pretty great. Like, Benny Blanco was great. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like there were a couple other people who were young thug didn't come off as well as some of the other people that played themselves. <laughs> I really like YG. YG makes me yeah, he happy was good. every time I see him. He's he's short in his interviews and he was really short with Dave. This <laughs> is so funny to me. Hey man, uh, so I paid you guys my life savings to get on one of my songs and we were supposed to work on it tonight and that did not happen. Damn bro, my bad. You know. I don't... Bro, don't trip. When I get back, we're going to do something crazy. All right? You promise? I got you. You good? Yeah, we're good. I know we had earlier gotten into a bit of a text conversation about a a new movie that is uh, available digitally. Yes. The Lodge. Does anybody want to throw their feelings about The Lodge out there, a.k.a. Hereditary 2, still hereditating? Hereditary 2, Electric Boogaloo? Well, okay, let's just say that the reason we're saying that is there are some common elements, and they seem to me like the kind of common elements that would really bug me if I was a screenwriter or a director, if I had a project in the pipeline or something I was working on, and we had this cool idea to use dollhouses and dollhouse imagery as part of our, our visual motif for the film, and then you see another movie come out and do it so memorably, or at least so, uh, so recognizably as hereditary but but this movie the lodge does have a, a dollhouse element to it that it's, it's hard not to make you think of that just because they lean on it so hard you know it's it's throughout the movie that you keep coming back to these images it's kind of like a greatest hits of elevated horror somehow turned into this one movie that actually does have a pretty neat and clean uh concept in a way i don't know that i loved it but i i got to the end and felt like they had delivered a complete uh, idea, and that was something that um, um, I did appreciate. And there's some there's some good performances in it as well. What did you guys think of the Lodge? Yeah, while while it does bear some similarities to uh, horror films that have existed before it, it does a really good job of keeping me on my toes in terms of some of the elements that I just wasn't expecting. Some things that I was figuring was happening, I kind of figured out some of the plot, and then it just got a little weirder. Um, it feels like 
the same way I felt, um, I was going to say when I saw Hereditary, damn, but it's, 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 it's its own thing. It's its own thing. Really, it really is, is its own thing. But I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I thought that the, the second and third act really picked up. I thought it was slow at the beginning, but when it picked up, I fucking enjoyed it. I thought that it was done really well. I thought it, it did good use of sound in space. Yeah. Um, and you feel every bit of the elements in that weather wise, everything. I felt it like out when there were scenes outside, I felt the outside scenes when they were inside and it felt ins- isolated, even inside around these people. It just, it did r- a really good job of sp- spatially kind of in inviting me into their world in a way that felt like I was I don't know I was I was a fourth person in that scene it just was a really well done movie there was a point in the movie where there were three or four possibilities as to what was really going on I would have been fine with any of them and I think that's a testament oftentimes to the acting and to the atmosphere um, into those visuals that we're talking about because it is very inviting and it does make you feel at times like you want to feel cozy in this atmosphere but it just it just never lets you even though this is a really nice cabin um, <laughs> it never lets you feel cozy or comfortable there and it doesn't seem like anybody is feeling cozy or comfortable there I would be loving it you know what I mean if my family was there we would be loving it right, right. Uh, but it feels like no one no one is happy to be there um, <laughs> uh, but yeah it's very good looking very good looking movie and that's a huge part of the appeal of it my biggest takeaway that I really enjoyed was just like that uncertainty through the whole movie. Like there's like two or three scenarios that are you think could be happening. And I think it does a pretty good job at kind of like like kind of making it offset enough that I don't know that until the third act really kicks in that I was ever really sure of what was going on in terms of, of those three options of what was happening. But um, I thought the performance is really good. Riley Keough is really great in the movie, um, and the child actors are really good. I, I really kind of like the 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 kid, the boy. Um, what's his name? Jaden? Like, oh god, Lieberhaller or something like that. He was like in it, chapter one and two. He's in that new Apple Plus series, defending Jacob. Um, I think he was in Midnight Special. I don't know. He's just a real. I think he's a really good actor, and um, I thought he was really good in this too. Uh, Jaden Martell. Martell. What the fuck? It's an easier to say name uh, than you said, uh, Jaden Martell. But yeah, he's he's. I feel like he's one of those kid actors who's been doing the rounds. You know, he's been in a lot of things. He was in that uh, the Book of Henry too, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, not such a good movie, but uh, we won't blame him for that. No, no, because I mean he's made up for it. He was in it. He was in Knives Out. He was in Midnight Special. Like he's been in some good stuff, and I haven't watched it yet. But I've heard he's really good in the new Chris Evans series on Apple Plus, um, the Defending Jacob series, which I plan on watching this this week at some point. But um, I don't know. I, I did like it more than I thought I would because I, I. It's weird. Like I don't know. Tell me what you guys think about this. But I kind of feel like I know I'm not alone on this, and it's kind of what probably a lot of people feel. But. I almost feel like I'm a little def- like I'm going in the off on the- with the offense of like when I when I go to watch some of these like quote unquote elevated horror movies like I like I'm almost worried slash going in feeling like like I'm not going to like them because the last few that I've watched I feel like I've kind of been burned or just didn't enjoy in in many ways at all. Mm. Um, but going into this one, I kind of had that on my back a bit, but. To the end of the movie, I actually kind of 
it played a little straighter, like more straight for me. Like it was a little slow going to get going, but I feel like the pacing was there enough and there was enough of a delivery at the end of the film. And even like the last five minutes, I thought were really quite effective and unsettling and, and really good actually. And I don't know. So like, I, I feel like I came out liking it more than I thought I was simply from some of the expectations from movies like similar to it hereditary not included because i I loved hereditary but um you know movies like you know and these are also movies i i kind of still liked but you know like it comes at night or um i don't know some other of those like really kind of moody slower quote-unquote elevated horror movies um that really don't go anywhere or nothing or not really anything exciting happening happens i don't know but I was surprised how much I liked it. And I think a lot of that is based on her performance. And, um, you know, I did like some of those things like Ronald was talking about, or at least it was brought up like with the hereditary comparisons and um, some of those like diorama shots and showing, you know, the control that um, the kids have on that house, you know, the little dollhouse that the, that the daughter has. Right. And what that means. Yeah, exactly. And like what that, what that, what, what happens in the real world. It was a quality film, man. I'm hoping that we see more stuff like this. And I would suggest it to anyone that that's a fan of this sort of like, uh, I'm, I'm on, I'm going to throw this out there just because I'm being a dickhead about it, but hipster horror, it's like that well, like well, neat, like dull palette, color palette, uh, <laughs> muted colors, um, very fashionable uh, men and women in the movie. <laughs> just like it, it's, it's just that kind of movie. But it, it was, I thought it was well done, man. Sleek, sleek. <laughs> it was sleek. Like that little girl's room didn't have anything in it. <laughs> nothing. Didn't have any toys. <laughs> There's no mess. There's no like socks. <laughs> nothing. It was very strange. <clears throat> maybe that was just her play. That, maybe that's just her playroom, ah. John, with like a bed in it that she gets woken up from. <laughs> I'm not buying it, Steve. <laughs> uh, is that, does that happen? Oh, I didn't realize. Or, that or was the I same feel like movie. she maybe she goes and throws herself on the bed. She's upset, but there is a scene where she's she's on the bed and her dad's coming to her. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> if a horror fan is defined as someone who like wants a movie to go there, you know, I think that this movie will satisfy your desire to see it go there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it gets to a place, and it like it it doesn't it doesn't shirk on what you might consider to be the the sort of horror payoffs that you're you're looking for. It's funny you say that because I definitely kind of presented it like that to someone I was recommending the movie to this week. Um, friend of the show, Lauren. I had kind of told her and Brian to check it out, and. I kind of used that a little bit as like a selling point was like, you know, where some of the issues with some of the movies we've seen that were supposed to be like amazing horror movies, um, where like it doesn't go there or not enough happens to warrant the weight of what you just experienced in some cases. And, uh, you know, just like the overall kind of like meanness of this movie in some ways, like I think is a good selling point for someone that might be on the fence and and they both well i know lauren at least really enjoyed it and mainly because it did like something actually happens you know like you you see like a you know a finality to what this story is in some ways but yeah definitely recommend checking it out it also knows when to end it's one of those movies that when it goes to the credits you're like okay yeah you left me in a horror kind of place (laughs) yeah well that's all i got yeah same all right, well, got a, you, you got a, you got an option for streaming on Hulu if you want to check out, you know, uh, Dave. Um, and then there's an option if you want to check out a horror movie. 
you've got some options was what we're saying. And uh, I think in general, we, we all really liked both of these recommendations. So, um, yeah, man, that's where we're at. You can find shmovieshmovie.com, facebook.com slash movieshmovie. Um, if you have any ideas for future episodes, if there's a show you've been watching or finally caught up on that you loved, uh, let us know. I, you know what? I do want to add one really quick thing. And I, I'm only going to say this because um, put it on your radar. I don't know how easy it's going to get when it comes out here in the States. I know it's a co-production with Cinemax. I was able to watch it through an account I have through my VPN because um, it airs on, on Sky out in the UK. But there's a series that just came out. I think it finished airing over there called uh, Gangs of London. It's crazy. Fucking wow. Like it. I loved it. Oh, my God. It is so good. It's uh, Gareth Evans, I believe, is one of the co-creators of the series. Um, the guy, I think, who did the, the Raid films. Mm. Yeah, I've been um, waiting on this show, man. Okay, you just told me all I need to know. Yeah, and Corin Hardy did a couple episodes. It is phenomenal. I love it. It's it's like, it's like yeah, dude, it's like the Raid meets John Wick meets what? like pick any pick pick any mobster gangland oh, turf war movie. And just shake it up, and you have this epic drama, Shakespearean. Like it's, it's. I, I mean, I don't want to oversell it, even though it sounds like I am. <laughs> but it's just, it's just, it's super entertaining. Like, and it's high production value. I mean, it's, it's quite Im- impressive. I don't mm. know what the budgets are on these episodes. It's nine episodes, um, and again, I think it just ended its airing in in the UK. But. Um, I know somebody over there that has a Sky account, so I was able to watch it through my VPN. But um, yeah, it's really good. If you, if anything I said sounds interesting to you, of any of those names, genres, or films, put it on your radar. I, I looked it up. I think it's like a co-production with Cinemax. I don't know if that means that they will have any access to airing it here at some point um, in the states, but. Uh, yeah, just mark it down if you got any kind of list running. It's called Gangs of London, and okay. uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty exciting. But um, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that before I forgot. But that that's gonna wrap up this episode. Um, yeah, thank thank you everybody for listening. If you're listening, sticking with us through 254 plus episodes. Yeah, seriously. Um, we're looking forward to doing more. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. Boy, we had some fun. <laughs> boy, oh boy! <laughs> well, that was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Uh, mm.